You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from your semi-occluded vocal tract, have you practiced today? All right, here we are, Vocal Fam. Good morning. How you doing? Or, I guess this might not be morning for y'all. Well, Oops. I don't know when you people listen to this. I don't know. It's morning here. I don't know. When do people listen to podcasts anymore? Back in the pandemic, everybody listened to podcasts all the time. Cause I was just I I listen to podcasts pretty much all the time. Like, I, yeah, if I'm doing things around the house that I don't really want to be doing, aka cleaning, basically, I oh, am that's a good probably listening activity. to a podcast. Yeah, like laundry is a good. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want to be doing this. I also don't really want to be alone with my like thoughts. So here we are, podcasts. Mm-hmm. My all students. Right. Were- in the night but yeah <laughs> vocal fam we have the wonderful theodora nesterova with us back yes. on the podcast um i think the second time this calendar year maybe was it in 2023 i don't remember doesn't matter you you're think it was in 2023 yes it was it was Fantastic. a few months ago i'm glad you're not sick of me so thank you <laughs> we are we are not sick of you nope, not at all. and um kind of reached out to us about doing a you know uh, theodore's been doing this interdisciplinary phd at mcgill and they really have some incredible initiatives with their applied performance sciences hub um mm-hmm. going on and you know we're going to hear all about that kind of talk a little bit about the just kind of the state of I don't know, the performing arts and the need for, um, I like the term you used in your email, mosaic careers or, or different oh, yeah, things like of this nature. And uh, and just see where this conversation leads us. So, I mean, let, 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 but, you know, let, let's dive in. Um, Theodora, tell us a little bit about the program that you've been doing and kind of some of these initiatives you all have started up there at McGill. By the way, Vogel fam, if you're from <laughs> America, now meaning the United States of America, and you don't know that McGill is one of the most prestigious universities in North America just because it's in Canada, you Where should have you been? You should know that. It is not only known for great academics, but it is also known for a very fine school of music. The Schulich School of Music is really one of the top uh, schools of music in, in North America. Um, my dear student Aaron had done his master's degree there um, about a decade ago now and uh, had just a fantastic time studying with Sandy Sylvan. May he rest in peace. Mm. Um, but uh, anyway, Theodore, tell us a, bit, a little bit about the initiatives you all have started there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you again for having me on. Um, I started my PhD and it is an interdisciplinary PhD uh, two years ago now. Um, just passed my comprehensive exams. All Yes, congratulations. Passed your comps. <laughs> yeah, so I'm now a candidate. But um, but the, the premise of it is I'm very grateful to be at McGill, very grateful to be at Shulik, as you're saying, and very grateful for the p- fact that you know, I specifically came here and I'm continuing to do here um, what I was looking for, which was an interdisciplinary program. And the interdisciplinary program, any interdisciplinary program in a codified form, I think doesn't really exist at a lot of places. And McGill as an institution was willing to, um, the year that I applied, 
kind of go out on on a, a limb, I suppose, and, you know, allow students like myself, I was kind of the guinea pig in the first one, um, trying out what it would look like to be in a degree program, a doctoral program, charting your own pathway, making your own connections and synergies, both, I would say it's both interdisciplinary and intra, so intra, like being like within disciplines um, and inter being like across, right? Um, but I, I would say that it, it's really up to the the student in these cases. And I knew what I wanted to study, um, which areas and departments and faculties that I wanted to involve. Um, and I knew that it was very truly, uh, you know, translational and interdisciplinary and sure. interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. So I was grateful that I, I had that opportunity. And that was always kind of a precursor to what we have now launched this year. And I've been a part of for the past two years building which is um, the Applied Performance Sciences Hub that everybody should go check out on appliedperformancesciences.org. Um, it's you know very much in its still infancy and it, it's a fledgling kind of organization but and initiative, but it started off as a strategic program by some of my supervisors uh, to really bring performance science and integrate it, both arts and science and all of these interdisciplinary facets within the Schulich School of Music. So to have that be kind of the hub or the place where um, students and faculty uh, and anybody who's interested um, in these translational fields and everything and services, specific services that 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 can offer to performing artists, but also um, you know the community can go and have a you know reference point for these places. And I think performance science as a field itself really encompasses. Uh, you know, what, uh, you know, we're on a vo the Vocal Fry podcast, so where I see voice science and voice pedagogy going in general. So, uh, yeah, I'm just very grateful to, to be a part of it. And it's really exciting, the, the initiatives and programs, sub-programs that we're building as a part of it. And I, I, it's my personal passion to see it grow beyond just the scope of McGill into, you know, the United States, into institutions. There are a few that are starting to, to bring this up and, you know, across the world. Well, I, I think that the idea, the basic idea of just um, whether intra or inter collaborations are, I mean, really the name of the game of all of our research initiatives at this point. I mean, mm -hmm. I think, I mean, for the most part, um, at least the people who I know who are doing work that I really respect. And um, and that goes beyond like just voice pedagogy research, you know, right? Um, it kind of gone are the days of just some rando sitting in a library and just doing their own thing and, you know, then proselytizing about it. And well, I guess that still exists, but, sure. <laughs> but, but what you're doing is much more functional and I think much more helpful, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, because I, t tell us a little bit about the, some of the people that you've brought together, you know, and particularly this LEAP initiative I, I, I want to hear more about. But, yeah. like, you know, how did you how did you go about bringing – because I love that you kind of have a psychologist on there. You have a, a music education researcher who brings some, you know, humanities research chops in that regard. And, and then the performance side of it with John being on there. And it, tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a great team. Uh, I'm very grateful for all of them. Uh, so we have the, the person that we brought on um, actually leading the initiative and leading performance science, applied performance sciences at, at McGill is Liliana Arojo, and she is um, a psychologist, uh, um, you know, trained performance psychologist and in performance science. So she's a big part of that community. She's uh, new this year. I uh, am grateful because I, I got to be you know, see the process through on, on the hiring committee and really bringing her on to spearhead this initiative. So yes, um, she's leading this as well as uh, one of my supervisors, Isabel Cosette, who really started this and this was kind of her brainchild um, for the initiative, the pre-initiative that connected to my, my degree as well, um, Isabel Cosette, and she is um, a respiratory physiologist um, and, and musician as well. So, and then there's Andrea Creech, who is an excellent, just a, a wonderful person and figure individual in the world of um, music education uh, and really integrated into institutional practice as well. And then we have John McMaster, another one of my supervisors on the voice, uh, in the voice area, and just a wonderful all around lifelong learner and myself as well as kind of on the student side or coming from you know being a student crossing over um into into that realm and and being able to kind of defend the the student uh what the students need and what they are looking for and what has been kind of remiss in a lot of uh educational institutions so far so and we have research assistants as well um matthew and christopher who are great so you know, it, it really is one of the things of like when I was back starting out in this field and, you know, whatever, I, I remember so badly wanting to collaborate at times early on. But sometimes part of the things were that I think one of the things we struggle with in voice pedagogy is even preparing our students and singing a lot, a lot of times singing teachers oh, get to the point nick a lot of times singing <laughs> teachers will even contact me asking about a research project or they want to do a thing yeah. um sometimes choir directors and i'll be like well the technology actually doesn't do that <laughs> like because sometimes we haven't had these other team members to kind of look at us and go well that's actually not a picture you can get with an MRI. <laughs> I remember yeah. 15 years ago, I wanted to do this thing on, on nasality when I was still in my nasality research phase. And I remember a medical doctor I finally got to collaborate with a little bit and uh, otolaryngologist and he looked at me and goes, yeah, we can't actually take that picture. That, that picture doesn't <laughs> exist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you that's know, important. I think that's really important to, but how would you know if you hadn't gone to that doctor? Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, but I don't know. Are there ways that in voice pedagogy we could actually better help prepare students to be aware of what might be possible? I personally think so. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm very, I, I will say I'm very lucky and I'm very grateful to be kind of indoctrinated in, <laughs> in interdisciplinary and in collaboration and in research applied to pedagogy very, from very early on. So I, for myself, even here in, in my degree, I have, I joke all the time, I have 10 supervisors, I kind of do. I work within the Schulich School of Music across performance and research and music technology and our Center for Interdisciplinary Technology and Research Consortiums. And then I also have, you know, consortia. And then I also work with the Communication Sciences and Disorders 
and otolaryngology and neuroscience. We have an excellent program here for, for my vibrato research and charting that um, and going into the functionality of the voice too. So all of the questions that I always have, because one cannot know everything. And sure. I think that there's a bit of the fallacy of, you know, well, if you are interdisciplinary, then you are a jack of all trades and master of none. And that can be a bit um, of, of a worry and concern, but I personally, I don't feel that way because what I do feel is that I, uh, at least in an institution that has integrated interdisciplinary programs, and performance science programs, they would have the resources for you to go out for the voice student or interested in voice research person or pedagogy, whatever, to go out and to find that, spe to, to speak with that specialist and learn more. I just consider myself as somebody who's curious about a lot of things, enthusiastic about a lot of things. And then when I have that question of feasibility and what can I actually do and what can be done, I'm, I know the person to whom I can direct that question. And that's the beauty of collaboration and find out something more that I didn't know before. So I'm not becoming a jack of all trades, it's kind of building a community that is a master of all disciplines and works together. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's 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 so spot on with what you need to do in general. I mean, yeah. you know, I get the jack of all trades concern. Like, I understand how someone could be concerned with that. I think that comes, though, from a general kind of scarcity mindset mm. that that if you were, oh, gosh, it, it kind of goes back to the whole thing, like with performers. If you are not investing everything you have in every second of every day in being a jet-setting operatic soloist, your life will fail. Yeah. I remember being told this as a freshman in college, folks. I'm not, like, making this up. Oh, it's that, that is definitely like a mindset of yes. you, know, you know you need to focus in on this one thing and master it. But I kind of it's kind of like we said earlier. It's almost being a jack of all trades. Like is, knowing your limits, I think is the key there. Knowing well, I'm not a master of this area. I know a good bit, but like you said, building up that community so that you do know who does specialize in this. Who can I go talk to when I've reached? the end of what I know. I know what I don't know, which is a lot. So, yeah. I mean, since we're just kind of in this this open thing, because I do really want to hear about y'all's LEAP initiative, yeah. but, but, but since we're kind of in this open moment here, and, and we wanted to talk about this, why do you think, Theodora, that this is important given the state of today's performing arts industry? Like, why, why do you think that, that kind of just making maybe making um, a multiplistic life for yourself or, or, or making a multi, uh, you know, a, a, a different avenue life for yourself is important. Well, I think in the 21st century world that we live in, I think that specialization in like silos and just being one thing and, and not being multi-hyphenate, first of all, isn't how we are as, going to the personal aspect, isn't how we are as people. We're all mm -hmm. very we have varied interests as human beings and we have varied skill sets and I think that it's um, I understand where it comes from the specialization do one thing or die be the best at this or you know perish mm -hmm. but um, but I don't think that that's valid anymore and we see that in 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 the industry and in the field uh, if we get to then the kind of feasible like financial side the fiscal side of it right yeah. Not socioeconomically, it's it's just we've seen countless studies that it's just actually quite impossible unless you are that top 
right? 1%. It's, it's yeah. diminishing. It used to be 10. It's really honest. If, if, if I may, I mean, if the Metropolitan Opera is the top 1%, they are struggling. I was going to say, is it even 1%? Is it yeah. 0.5? I mean, you know, we've got the theater industry, I mean, it, it itself is just, it, you know, I mean, in concerned about its survival. I mean, it, symphonies closing, opera companies closing, people look the entire hollywood doesn't exist at the moment yeah yeah, yeah. that's kind of on them though i mean not the people working in it but the top oh well press. like that's that's a little on them well but i mean even that industry is having to reconsider itself sure yeah. you know it, I, I mean this is something we're all doing right yes oh no absolutely I, I mean you know whether we're talking about hollywood whether we're talking about the classical music industry whether mm -hmm. we're talking about uh, academia yeah. We're, we've kind of all, like the pandemic kind of put us into this like fast forward world yeah. of where we're all kind of having to ask these questions of like, wait, oh, it is all of a sudden, we are, folks, we are a quarter of the way through the 21st century. Yeah. Like we, keep, we keep tossing this, Weird. you know, I was having conversations <laughs> with my colleagues earlier this semester and I said to them, we need to be preparing our students for what it will be like in 2050 and 2060. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they mm -hmm. kind of like looked at me. It's a weird feeling. Like I was like making some sci-fi story up. And I'm like, <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> when our students are in the middle of their careers, it will be 2050 and 2060. And yeah. I will be possibly dead. <laughs> Ah, that's nice and dark on a Friday morning. No, I'm just being no, real. Yeah, I mean, it's real. It's real, but also like you know, I'm just trying to be real here. And so, like, we all have, you know, been brought into because I think before the pandemic, a lot of things were kind of just limping along and things, yeah. whatever. And so, I really applaud you because I think that, like, okay, let's not let's get let's get closer to home now for a second. Mm -hmm. I think that with voice pedagogy, we really have to be like considering. What are we preparing our students for? What are we preparing our students to do? Like, for example, just this is a very micro example, mm -hmm. but like we've taken our graduate rep selection course in the pedagogy program. Oh, yeah. And I have totally reframed it to be about how to pick music, multiplistic styles for ages five to 15 and 50 to 80 because they are populations of humans that can afford voice lessons. Yeah. So I'm yeah. trying to even build that class about how to be a marketable skill in the world that they're that. going to encounter. Yeah. yeah. It's and, so true. And, so true. And, and, you know, going to more uh, things like what, what you've done, Theodora, here with this, it makes you in the end, I think 20 years ago, we would have said, yeah, but how are you going to get a job? But I think you're making yourself more employable. Absolutely. Oh yeah, you need transferable skills nowadays. I well, I just finished an MBA in arts innovation from the Global Leaders Institute uh, for arts innovation, and the the statistics that they had the entire time of all performing arts because it's not just music centric, but right. the sure. how many transferable skills on average a person needs to have in order to be able to pivot at any one time or be very successful in their domain of choice is something that we do not learn. And I think that it's very, you know, or typically we do not learn, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that it's so, it's, 
it does your students a disservice and it uh, you know, if you're not thinking ahead to when they'll be in their prime of their career and when you're not thinking even currently to uh, the, the moment they walk out the door, what are they going to do? So I think that it's, you know, very, I, I don't know, I commend you and I applaud you. I, that's how I started my voice science ped and health class um, talking about mosaic careers, actually, and all of them wanted to be there and they had been waiting for that information because we haven't had a course like that in more than 10 years, which is a little alarming even for us. But, um, but you know, I, I talked about that because I said, you, after you graduate here, this is something, these are skills that you can, can use in many ways, in many ways, not only to get to know your own, own instrument more, but to actually, you know, be, have, be able to live off of what you would like to do, which is sing, and for many of you, teach as well. So that's something that, you know, if you really truly want to do it, better learn how to do it well and you better learn how to you know be able to pick repertoire for those target groups because that's who you're going to see the moment you walk out the door that's right yep. you know that 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 term you use transferable skills mm -hmm. is i've actually seen that data because joshua glasner and yvonne redmond and i have an article that we just submitted to journal of singing on flipping the voice pedagogy classroom and we specifically cited that data on transferable skills and what yeah. will be needed and this sort of thing so uh mm. in that in that article uh so yeah. that is a real real thing um mm -hmm. that that we can that we can instill even from our undergraduate pedagogy course sure moving forward um of how to incorporate that kind of stuff yeah anyway yeah, absolutely. And I think that especially in the in the context of academia institutions or even outside of it, so many times, you know, it seems like statistically thinking about the statistics and data, it, the cards may be against uh, having, you know, going into music or going into the performing arts because fiscally it's not as, you know, we know that it's not as, um, I don't know, not feasible, but necessarily not as, uh, I think. Secure, maybe? like Secure, secure and, and sustainable. Those are also fallacies that, that can be broken by the fact if we do approach to music education in general as a teaching of transferable skills and a teaching of, there are so many skills. I believe music is so all-encompassing and in and of itself is interdisciplinary. So I think if we lean on that and we go into that further rather than go into just, I don't know, I don't want to put anybody on this fire, but like only learning Verdi arias because you're only going to become a Verdi baritone. You know, that's going to be your thing and that's it. That's all you'll do for the rest of your life. Instead of that, if, if we look to how rich uh, music is as a domain and mm -hmm. we encourage students to look into that too and consider those things, I think we are setting them up for success. And I think perhaps if we're not doing that, again, I, I don't think that we're being truly um, ser serving to our students. I don't think that we're being uh, honest and transparent and setting them up for success. No, I. I definitely agree with that because it is funny how often I've had that conversation recently yeah. in my own like studio where they're like well I'm just going to do this and I'm like I love that you feel that way and I hope that works out for you but when you graduate and you go to get a job like 
it's not the what's the word I'm looking for like I think as like artists we have this like idea of our artistic integrity and how we want we're gonna do this one art form and it's like but also you want to eat right like you want to be able to pay rent and all of a sudden that's gonna be really really real when you get out there and so yes let's prepare you for this thing you want to do but also Let's prepare you for some other options as well. And you might get out there and discover, oh, I actually love this other thing. And I don't think you want to feel like you've wasted a degree, which that's what I was going to say is I love the idea of having these degrees that are more, I think, open-ended in a sense. Like it's up to this, in some ways, it sounds like your degree, like you kind of get to guide it and craft it into what your interests are, where you're like, you still you're getting it is interdisciplinary but it's even interdisciplinary like it's even open-ended in the fact that you're kind of picking what areas come together I guess is what it kind of sounds like based on your research interests and I, I love that idea even at a like master's and an undergraduate level that a student could go in and be like yes I really do love singing classical music however I also want to be qualified to I don't know, direct or... Can I say something about that? Sure. This is why I actually still believe, and I know people are going to be like, oh, Perna, that's such an idealized view. I don't care. (laughs) This is why I still believe in the Bachelor of Arts degree Mm. if we do Mm. it right. Mm. If we did liberal arts education right and actually offered students the offerings that they need to create this picture of themselves even as undergraduates, it's almost like we could make the undergraduate experience have value again. (laughs) There I said. (laughs) No, I do. Because, you know, I've been saying this for a decade now, that if you really wanted to be world ready as an undergraduate probably the best way to do that would actually be to do a BA but have hyper focus about the kinds of things that you want to incorporate into it Mm -hmm. in order to make you this multifaceted person oh yeah Mm -hmm. I love that too because I mean I think something conversations I remember having towards the end of undergrad or right after undergrad is sort of this thing of like at age 18 too like it's a lot to be asked to know what you want to do with the rest of your life. And so I love that like that could give you the option to have a more open-ended undergraduate degree and then be able to either go work in the field, be ready and, and kind of learn there. Or if you get to the end of it and you realize, oh, I love this one area, then yeah, go on and do a master's. But you, you have more options. I just think that the BA in music has been the most wasted degree that we've offered because it, it, could be- be a it lot. became the performance degree light for people who couldn't get accepted. Yes. And it shouldn't yeah. have it shouldn't have been that. No. It actually should be a very functional degree mm-hmm. with the minors with with crafted minors with yeah. crafted purpose and could really be a useful thing. Oh, it absolutely could. Uh, that, that, there's my soapbox. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I for my undergraduate, I went to Oberlin. It was a college and conservatory, and I was always interested in, in places that had both. And we had double degrees. We had minors. We had, you know, they were still pretty, you know, um, kind of 
stratified, I would say, but if you were the type of person that could cross that boundary and wanted to and, and mm-hmm. want to apply different things, um, then you absolutely should and could have. And there were, you know, trade training programs too. I think that's very important um, to be yeah. able to get out of school and have a, a trade that's actually, you know, marketable, um, even within or outside of music. And I think one of my my mentors, Dana Varga, talks about correlating career. And I think that starts starts early. I think that starts in the training. I think we should, you know, forefront that idea of having a correlating career while we are are training, you know, and it's okay if you're only interested for those who say, well, I just love music. I want to do music. That's okay. That's for me, the case as well, I love voice. I just want to do related to the singing voice things, you know, performance, research, teaching. But I know that, and I have these varied interests within that sphere. You know, we mm-hmm. can't we can't just uh, isolate ourselves within you know one thing. Even if you're only into performance voice, there are very many ways, different ways of you know making a living and yes. having a. Um, from from that in that area within that sliver, you know. So, I think that that's important. Definitely, definitely. I mean, we could talk about this forever. Yeah. Um, this this yeah. part of this conversation. Um, yeah. And 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 you know, here we are fixing all the world's problems. I, 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 <laughs> no, absolutely. I, 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 like I don't. I like <laughs> one, one other thought I have with the interdisciplinary disciplinary degrees and like one of the other things I do like because I feel like again another kind of hot topic at the moment has been just with academia the affordability of it like student Mm -hmm. loans that's obviously a huge thing right now and so in today's economy and age or whatever sometimes you can like being able to get a lot of different degrees in all these different areas is great but sometimes not fiscally an option Yes. for people and so mm-hmm. to be able to potentially go and get one degree that allows you to delve into these two areas rather than having to go through two degree programs take loans out potentially for two degree programs and also that amount of time that you're in school and not working or you might be working while doing it but still like i i love how much it's it's another option Yes. If yes. I may, on that regard, the fact that no major R1 university, to my knowledge, that I know of, and I might be totally wrong here, has reached across campus and created a dual master's degree where in four years you get a master's in voice performance and a master's in speech path. I, I would love that. Why that doesn't exist yet? is a mystery to me that would be because in case you're wondering speech path there's a huge need for speech language pathologists right now in the in the in the in the field Mm -hmm. and and why i don't think that exists anywhere and please if if you work at a university and you're like no we have that we've created that degree please reach out hit us up please please tell perna he's an idiot i i I am happy to be proven a a, a moron um but like that to me if if you're running like a voice pedagogy program at an R1 university and you yeah. haven't figured out and I'm not talking about like a doctoral degree in music here with a specialization in singing voice health. I'm talking no. about a four-year program where in four years you would finish both an SLP CCC including your fellowship and residency and get a master's in music. 
there is no way that that shouldn't exist. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah that's my vision for the future. I mean, that's what many of us have to do on our own or have done, you know. Right. Yes, our- yes. <laughs> Um, and that's that's what I love about you know working in this field and creating for myself. But I'm like, why? So then, why why doesn't this exist from the get go? Mm-hmm. Why does why is this an option? And I think uh, I think that there are a lot of um, probably liability issues or maybe you know at the administrative level, you know, logistical things about um, kind of accreditization and things like that. But I think that there is a, a way to to you know, work around it or even or even the the kind of field of vocology itself in in our view that in and of itself has been interdisciplinary from the start and inclusive of that, um, finding a way to really codify that and and accredit it and have it be, you know, especially for those singers who want to only work within the voice facet of SLP, because so many of them really, truly are only interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, Having that be something that at least can be an alternative or something like that. If if the powers that be, if it's a kind of liability infrastructure infrastructural issue um, with accreditization, I still think that also in and of itself, in a way, is still in its infancy and still oh, a sure. bit um, you know not clear and not uh, clarified and not codified. We sure. don't have agreement in the field about what the word vocology means. Let's just yeah. be really clear. So that, I think, and those are, that's what I would like to, honestly, with, in talking about, like, interdisciplinary, use it so much, it kind of loses its meaning, but what what it means to me is that kind of work, the actionable work of mm-hmm. clarifying, codifying, making, making actual degrees, you know, yes. for people um, that, that are interested in these areas and can go out and actually, you know, do something with them and are, you know, I would like for others who are interested in this beyond beyond myself to be able to, you know, people ask me, well, how did you do this? How did you do this? For me, it was kind of a pathfinding, wayfinding, you know, searching with a flashlight is how I imagine sure. it metaphorically. And I don't think it has to be that way. I don't no, think so. You know, putting a sidewalk instead of having to yeah. hack through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, tell us about your about your leap campaign here sure. at, at APX. Yeah. So uh, the leap campaign is the the you know first prominent program that that we've launched within the Schulich School of Music, but we're also um, working, of course, across with the kinesiology department and area sports physiotherapy. We're bringing them in, and it's basically kind of multi-componential. So we have classes or in the mornings, we have some sessions um, where the kinesiology students are leading kind of physical warm ups because we know that students life, it's really geared towards the students uh, at the moment, but we know that students and faculty's lives are, you know, insanely inundated um, and full. But I don't know what you mean. As you look at me with the eyes, yeah. Um, but you know, we the 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 forefront of that is to be able to take care of yourself and to mm-hmm. to take care of the body that we're in, and especially as singers, Hello. body being our instrument, we are athletes, so that's really important. So just to have kind of a routine, because for many people, you they won't do it, you know, uh, without having somebody through it. Um, so we have those sessions. Um, I'm uh, leading a few of those too, um, and they're geared towards instrument and domain. So I'm leading ones for the singers, um, and we have also fitness and hearing health screenings throughout the semester 
So one thing that I'm in, I'm involved in on the voice side is um, teamed up with um, an otorhinolaryngologist here, Francois Chagnon, and we are working, we have started this comprehensive voice screenings initiative campaign where we take in all of the incoming students. Um, we are screening them and I'm scoped, I'm doing acoustic analysis and perceptual analysis and some aerodynamic stuff. And we give them kind of a vocal blueprint that they take to their teachers. They, you know, their teachers are involved too. Um, and they have kind of a, a periodic view of their voice um, progressively throughout the semester, throughout the years that they're here. Um, and also at the beginning of the semester, important to rule out, you know, allergies and other sure. like reflex and facets that they may not know. They go through singing and then all of a sudden their jury's hit and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I can't, you know, I can't access this area of my, of my range and things like that. So I think that's important to forefront um, and have as a basis and, you know, develop our ties there to, to being able to take care of your voice and knowing how to maintain it uh, and habilitate it. Um, and then we have fitness and health and hearing health screening. So actually the hearing health, we have a hearing care platform, especially for instrumentalists involved in um, orchestra and band and symphonic works where um, they get a, a screening similar to the voice one. Um, we have an app in, uh, in works with some of my colleagues um, over in music technology and they do a comprehensive uh, hearing test again, periodically throughout the year. They have an app that they've developed that they can you know, put in their rehearsal space, in their performance space, in their practice room to make sure that they're taking care of their ears because we actually don't know how much um, we we get load, a hearing Big load at time. Um, and that's kind of a fledgling area. So we have that. We also have um, fitness and general physical health screenings. So for anybody who would like to kind of develop uh, throughout their semester just to have integrated into their life um, a, a really targeted and very individual fitness program because everybody, every body is different. So every person then, you know, needs to do what's right for their body and what feels good and what, you know, they would be able to feasibly do and maintain. Um, and we also have, of course, Feldenkrais and Alexander and, and body mapping workshops, um, massage therapies. I'm getting uh, licensed in, in laryngeal manual therapy. So for, for that, for people who are experiencing like fatigue um, yeah. throughout the semester, so it doesn't get again to the like critical period emergency emergency, like right before my big thing, I can't play, I can't sing. Um, we also have, I'll start, this is kind of the last thing, um, you know, we have some fun fun events, but one thing that's been very exciting uh, that we've been working on developing is a performance simulator. And this comes from the Royal College um, of Music um, in London. They have a center for performance science and um, Aaron Williamson and all of the people, the team there have been working on this and in collaboration in conjunction with us, um, a, a perform, it's basically just what it sounds like, like the name belies, um, a space that you go into. We have great resources here at McGill, so we're hoping to be able to use the acoustic panel changing room where we can change the room acoustics according to you know where they would be performing. Um, so it can be a small, tiny room if you know your jury is going to be in a small, tiny room. It can be a big stage if you know your you know recital is going to be in a big stage, um, competition, audition, whatever. And uh, we have a screen in front of the. Uh, 
um, the singer or, or instrumentalist performer, and they're looking at that screen and basically going through their whatever jury rep, audition rep, competition rep, and performance rep, and they're interacting with this, this screen. And it's a kind of, we're working on kind of making it, I don't know, next frontier is making it kind of 3D hologram, like real, actual real, using, um, using artificial intelligence and and using all of these things you know uh, virtual reality but but for now it has worked very effectively and and its efficacy is proven for stimulating you know your nerves how you would actually feel um because we don't very many times get to actually practice performing or feeling that way stimulating that for ourselves it's just yeah. practicing lesson that's it. And then there's yeah. that, that leap that goes from lesson or coaching to, to the stage. So that's what we're trying to, to rectify there and, and remedy and have this as an option for students sign up. They go there, they book their time, they practice, they get a recording of it and they can bring it to their teacher and, you know, talk about how they felt. So that is so cool. You, Theodore, you're just living the <laughs> that dream. That is so here. cool. <laughs> I, 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 I have three, three, three thoughts on that. One, I don't know how you have brain space for all of those that different too. things in one brain, um, because I would not. So I, my admiration for you continues to grow. Busy up here, but yeah, in leaps and bounds. Um, uh, my second thought is, please. If John ever decides to retire and McGill needs a tenor, please let, let, me, <laughs> let me know. Um, but the, the, the other thing, uh, you, you mentioned you're getting certified to do laryngeal manual therapy yourself? Uh, yeah, I, uh, a, a subfacet of my research has gone, other than you know, vibrato is actually not only looking into the driving forces of it, so acoustically, variability, but also biomechanically, and then a subfacet of that is how um, it's, uh, you know, functions in, in singers um, with various different functioning, so hyperfunction, hypofunction, mm -hmm. of that is muscle tension, dysphonia, as I've uh, dealt with myself. So, yeah, so that's been kind of a personal pivot, pivot and applied project <laughs> for me. Well um, so yeah. If you're ever interested at some point, you know, post PhD and whatever, in doing an efficacy study comparing our data from our studies True. when we had people do the laryngeal manipulation on themselves, on themselves. Yes, yes, and yes. looking yes. at that versus and, and doing a new thing where we would have them do the same protocol video, but then additionally compare Actually. that contrasting airflow differences pre and post to what yeah. actually happened with actual manual therapy intervention yeah. through a therapist intervention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would Ooh. really be uh, some some interesting data to, to I consider. I think it would, yeah. Um, yes. Absolutely. Uh, I would love so to do it. I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to do that at some point. You know, when you have the brain space for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, just let me know and I'm happy to, you know, uh, help out in whatever way I could. I'm sure you can come up with better uh, pre and post measures than just what we did. Um, well, you know, sort of thing limited yeah. by the technology in but, our pants. Uh, you, you yeah. know, but um, but nevertheless, the top of my head now. Okay. <laughs> uh, but but um, I'm happy to. You know, we do have that data that we have, True. the data set that I've never published because I'm an idiot. 
and I hate <laughs> writing. Um, but I love writing. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, as 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 uh, Joshua could confirm for you, having just edited a lot of my writing over the last month, um, my my uh, my writing is uh, very much how I speak and how I think. And it doesn't matter how many times I've done it or published, I still just write like I speak, and I have problems. Um, but, but but thanks to wonderful collaborators. Yes, exactly. Here it is. This is what it is. Uh, my incoherent thoughts can become more cohesive and coherent. Um, and sometimes people will just go, Nick, I don't know what this paragraph says. <laughs> And I and I and I'll read it and I'll go. Hmm. I'm not sure what I said either. <laughs> anyway, but no, seriously, it sounds like you, what you all have started there is really incredible. I oh, mean, I love it. you know, so you've mentioned and really congratulations to you on completing, you know, and becoming a candidate now and completing mm -hmm. your comps. I mean, you know, wh how long are you looking? Maybe you know, toward PhD completion i mean are you a year out are you two years out what what's kind of your yeah, what do you think it, your probable path is a good question uh it depends i'm telling people you know i'm designing my my dissertation study now and again of course being me i really want to make it interdisciplinary and comprehensive and multi-componential so um and multifaceted so we'll we'll see it depends how long that takes um but i i really am True, personally really passionately interested in getting getting this work not only of, of my own and my research interests but getting work like this that we're doing at McGill out into every institution in America and beyond that you know every you know music school community music school you know in some way I don't know I just I really personally believe that it's important so um, maybe I don't know, a year or so. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> Check back in. Congratulations, though, on being where yeah. you've gotten to at this point. Oh, my point. gosh, I yeah. Mean, that's a monumental accomplishment. And congratulations also to your colleagues on yes. the team at APS. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a, it seems like a wonderful group of individuals you all have yeah. put together. Mm -hmm. Out of curiosity, because I just don't really know. I've never been. What, what? How's Montreal as a city? Is it fun? Is it nice? Is it cool? It's Is it <laughs> cool everybody should come visit absolutely yeah come come visit there's lots of um you know i love it because it's uh with my european background it is very um kind of a mix of the anglophone and the francophone and um yeah. historically and culturally so it's a wonderful city there are uh great poutine if you love poutine that's place to be for it um, inevitably yes Yes, bagels <laughs> are great. The projects are great. We have so many. One thing that you were saying of like when we finish, it's honestly with these projects. Like I was just at the Voice Foundation in May where, where we saw Sarah yeah. and we were presenting some of our sub projects on working with the faculty of dentistry on like temporomandibular joint disorders and mm -hmm. singer and vibrato and you know i'm working with a music technology um candidate and student on uh, developing a like next level biofeedback haptic feedback technology for breathing and all of this stuff so uh come come for the the poutine and stay for the <laughs> projects that i'm involved in and help if you're interested. have you gotten to work with jay marchand at all while you've been there yeah yeah jay and i collaborate we have another uh, project that that we're working on on tamara's and, Jay oh and I did our DMAs together. Yeah. Uh, 
back in the day. So uh, that's great that you all know each other. Yeah, I, I, I assumed you did. Um, oh, yeah. Totally. Absolutely. That's, We're on Nat Montreal together. So. Ah, uh, yes, of course, of course, of course. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like, Sarah. It sounds, sounds like Montreal's like, place to be. Sounds like we need to go to Montreal. Yeah. yeah. Golly, <laughs> man. Huh. Sarah, you, I, can come, you can come, you know, whenever you'd like with the whole family, with just yourself. Right. When you need just, to get home. Just yeah. know, Jamie, you can stay home with the kid. <laughs> I'll be in Montreal. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> or maybe I'll let him come. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No, it's well, amazing. Theodora, thank you for coming on and, and sharing oh my all gosh, of this yes. with us. I mean, this just, what you all have started here, I think is so wonderful because I think for so long, particularly within, and, 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 and folks, please realize that, like, um, McGill is a, like, basically the school of music basically functions like a conservatory. I mean, this is a very high level school of music. It sounds it. And for so long, in so many ways, in high level music programs, there was such a resistance to bring even the idea of pedagogy into Mm -hmm. the conservatory, let alone ideas of performance science, or psychology, or mm. etc. Body, body work, etc., etc., etc. And it's so wonderful to see such a high-level conservatory-esque school being pro this kind of work. That yes. that that really, I wish that had existed 20 years ago for me. Yeah. Um. You know, but I'm a dinosaur, and you know, about to you know you know be in the oh my gosh. whatever. <laughs> And, 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 you know, it's too late for me, but but I just, no, seriously, I, I, I just really applaud you all. It's, I think it's really wonderful to see some of these barriers coming down. Yeah. 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 And I will say, you know, in, in summation, finally, in conclusion, I do think that the vocal pedagogy, we are on the right track with this, I think as a field, we, we, there are um, many of us in this community who are thinking this way, constantly working this way, you know, my, you know, my mentors, Ian Howell, you know, your group, Josh, everybody, you know, Yvonne, you, um, everybody, John Nix, everybody. The work who's, Kayla who's, is doing with her students Kayla, at Oco. Yeah, yeah. Oco, you know, I mean, all of that, all of that, um, all of our communities within, within voice pedagogy have this on their, on their mind, I think, and have this in in the vision and i i think that i would like to take it from a kind of microcosm of society and just kind of spread it um to to elsewhere and other domains and other instruments and other areas so yeah fantastic fantastic thank you for joining us today oh my gosh it's always wonderful to have you um sarah what you have for breakfast today Oh, um, they were muffins, but they are protein muffins. Well, so you so, got to feed that kid something. I look, <laughs> look. He's making it very difficult right now. There's just oh. no room. There's no room. room. <laughs> There's no room for the food. Uh, a couple uh. of updates, vocal fam. We next week we are we should be back with you with actually with Dr. Glasner and if, our dear friend Devon Redman and Indeed. their colleague Pasquale Botolico to do some uh, uh, acoustics room research stuff that they had done. Um, and we're gonna share that with y'all next week we yep. hope i was gonna say um, this look this kid better hold off on just, just a week uh, I, I just need him to wait another week <laughs> and i am sensing based on sarah's progress and other things that we've talked yeah. about with this that next week might, may might be the be last, last episode before our hiatus 
So we we intend to release an episode next week. Yep, that is the goal. Look. And after that, who knows? It might be... It could be. It, who knows? It, I could be here another month, guys. Um, but I better not be. It's possible. <laughs> I don't see it happening. It's, it's possible that it could be a few weeks. Sarah and I decided this morning that we would like to do an episode um, about our process doing a grand opera like Carmen in a smaller in a department, smaller department. Um, and how we've been able to accomplish that. Lean, as I, I kept my whole philosophy here, this whole year has been lean, mean, and green. And that is what this is. And um, just to talk with you all about that as a kind of a model for how maybe we could actually see more grand art forms evolve to make things audience accessible, different performing venue accessible. Yeah. Um, we're even doing some collaboration, talking about collaboration. Mm-hmm. We're collaborating on that project with our communications department to create a, this film noir setting in, in real time. Cool. Yeah. Um, we're collaborating with actually this, this year with our local professional theater on some mutual advertising and stuff mm-hmm. and uh, collaboration, right? Collaborating. I mean, that's what we're talking about, Theodore, right? Making it viable. Um, Vocal fam, if you are not watching Ahsoka, Uh, what are you doing with your life? You definitely should. I don't understand. (laughs) It prompted me to go back and start rewatching Clone Wars because I never finished Clone Wars. And so it is so good. It is it has been phenomenal. Dave Filoni is Star Wars. I'm adding that to my suit. It's it's good. (laughs) It's really good. is it interdisciplinary? Okay. <laughs> it is interdisciplinary because in Star Wars. <laughs> it's bringing all of the feels of Star Wars Rebels and the emotional depth of Star Wars Rebels. Yes, the cartoon was the most emotionally deep content that Star <laughs> Wars has ever produced. Um, yes, a cartoon. Yes, the one that has the bad animation that none of you, that all of you complain about. It's okay. It's uh, fine. I think it's fine, but it's it's people not- complained a lot. It's, I mean, I, I do like the animation style of Clone Wars better, but it's not like, oh, Rebels is just terrible. Fine. It's just preference, I guess. Anyway. Um, anyway. It, it's combining all of that with the emotional depth that came from Clone Wars. Boy, howdy. And, and, oh my goodness gracious. Plot. Gracious, gracious, Woo-hoo. gracious. Plot. We love some plot. Dave Filoni actually can tell a story. Characters with it, depth. As and... it turns out. And creating an actual villain who's not basically a cartoonish, campy version of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and dialogue? And dialogue? I, look, I'm... In I'm a Lucasfilm really, product? I'm, hey, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. It's been... Actual dialogue. Worth watching. I'm also really late to the party, but I did finally watch the Barbie movie. It was great. Loved it. Hadn't seen that yet. Finally watched it last night, actually, and can say, yeah, wow, the hype was real. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I'll throw one other non-traditional uh, vocal fry pop culture reference out there for you, vocal fam. My wife and I are just have finished now season two of Foundation. Whoa, holy sci-fi epic, Batman. Um, be prepared that is foundation is a commitment like like it is not uh it's not um you don't just go in and casually watch it it's it's very involved it's very asimov and it i mean it is asimov and it's you got to pay attention um it's good but you got to pay attention however that's not what i even came here to say i want to give a shout out to the hulu show the bear the bear. If you enjoy restaurant culture at all, if you enjoy Italian culture at all, if you enjoy watching people scream at each other regularly, everything I dream about in my life, 
I wish I could go back and quit all my jobs and just get a job in a restaurant. I would do it tomorrow if my family's financial well-being would not be sacrificed for it. Wow. The, the, psycholo <laughs> the, the psychological trauma portrayed in that show, I think, is the greatest thing I've seen on television with maybe, like, the exception of, of like, Better Call Saul. I just want to stop oh, yeah, and like, yeah. point out what maybe this says about you, that you said, wow, the psychological trauma put me in that field. <laughs> I think I see how you came to music. I identify with that. I, I mean, has it's a, He has a very specific neurotic persona personality. Oh, I'm, I'm science, sign me up. I am very, very um, emotionally invested in and understand. How's that? I get it. I get it. I understand. I can, I, can I, get it. I, I know it's toxic, but just watching them scream at each other. You're and like, I could be in this. It's cathartic. It's cathartic. And, and I wish, I wish that, I, I wish that you could just say, sorry, chef. Yes, chef. And move on because you have to finish the service. It's just like theater. The show must go yeah. on. You have to finish. Anyway. Okay, there's my. All right. All right. Now you all know that I'm now crazy, vocal fam. But I've grown a lot because I literally said to my wife as we're watching it, I want to live this so bad. I also know that I would make everyone around me hate me and it would be a toxic <laughs> place to work. Which is why See, I, that's and she goes, she goes, wow, you've emotionally grown yeah, that's so gross. much. That's gross. Just because I want it doesn't mean anyone else around me wants it. And that's okay. leadership, folks. <laughs> There you go. Theodora, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, so Vocal much. Fam, we'll be back at you next week. Peace. Indeed. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.